Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club. We are here. It is April. Wow. That is so crazy. Frightening. And that's at like one year anniversary of when we started doing Zoom episodes a year ago for what was Dana's book, Nothing to See Here, was our first Zoom book club so it just reminded me of that this time of year but welcome everyone how's everyone doing we're doing great also it's the about one year anniversary of when we migrated to two books a month oh, yes. wow. because we had all the time in the world in the queue that's crazy that's crazy those were good times and we got some good books out of it we got two snitches choices mm, those which were so fabulous were some of the most popular choices that we've had truly so next month is Snitch's Choice, and we will get there when we get there. But this month was Dana's Choice. We read Detransition Baby by Tori Peters, and we have so much to talk about. Dana, once again, hitting us with an amazing book. I loved this book. I hope you share my sentiment because it was one of the most beautifully written poetic, captivating books I've read in a very, very long time. Like, I couldn't put it down. I found myself laughing. I found myself crying. I found myself dreaming in, like, the narrative language. It was that impactful. Oh, wow. I loved this book. Oh, my God. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so excited to hear what everyone thinks. Before we get into it all, we need to wish Becky a happy birthday. Happy birthday, happy Becky. Happy belated, Becky. Ladies, I wasn't <laughs> expecting this. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. How was your birthday? My birthday was phenomenal. And the funniest part about my birthday was the one glaring hole in my birthday plans was Miss Jackie O. Yes. And I can't tell you the amount of feedback that I got being like, so where's Jackie? Oh, my God. I forgot I, to tell you that. I, oh, wow. I feel like flattered that people noticed that my absence but I also just feel bad because I was so excited for your birthday which was on Saturday everyone was celebrating but it coincided with my trip and I wound up leaving on Saturday and I felt really badly about it um but I heard everyone had a great time and so it I'm was a blast I'm happy for everyone for the good times that were had it really was a blast and it kicks off the spring season for us which is also known as the crisp glass of Sancerre season. It's a Sancerre alfresco season. It's also known in some circles as Becky season. Like, you're mm. really a spring queen. What am I? You are a summer. You're a hot mm. girl summer. No, I'm not. My birthday's in no, spring. No, it's not about when your birthday is. It's like what season represents your attitude. And for you, it's hot girl summer. Do you want to Do you want to challenge me on that? Like, no, I'll take it. Don't you do not think like you're always doing something like in Israel or like just being snitchy on a roof somewhere in a bathing suit triangle top. 
Like that's you. It, you are hot girl. You can't argue with that. Yeah, the, the it's triangle also a, top. Really, a not great me. position to be in. You know, right. I'm not gonna argue. I'll, I'll take spring, and you take hot girl summer, okay. and we I'll can get walk cold dreary winter. Together. I can't wait. Oh, I was gonna give you fall because it's oh. like back to school, and that's you wishing you could go back to yep. school, like homecoming weekend. Sharpening my pencils in my Colgate Jack's sweatshirt. Your fall, and Dana, your winter. You think 100%. I was gonna take winter because I love. You're a, literally the last thing from winter. Why? I love a cozy. Winter vibe, but you're just not winter. And so what? So what am I? Saying? I would say fall. Okay. There fall have been times where you. The, you there have been times when you've actually blended into a fall <laughs> foliage landscape. Like yeah, I true. have not been able to locate you because it's camouflage. Like, camouflage. Okay, fine. Dana, guess that leaves you as winter. We can switch when they're not looking. I said switch. <laughs> I said switch. Now you're my last nerve. Well, I'm so glad to have everyone back together. I had a huge month of reading, and I feel like with every book, I was just so excited to come on the Redheads and talk about it. And then with this last book that I read, which was Detransition Baby, I'm so excited to talk about it with the gals. So we have a lot to discuss, and I think that without further ado, we should get right into it. So first, I'm going to give a little summary of the book for anyone who didn't read it. Though, if you're listening to this episode without having read the book, I think you should read the book because it speaks for itself. Any summary that or our recap of it will not do it justice. It is um, a book by author Tori Peters. She's a trans author, and she is actually among the first trans authors to be published among the big five publishing houses, which is huge. And this book is about three New Yorkers who are setting out. It travels back and forth in time, but they are setting out to potentially raise a baby together. One of the characters, Katrina, gets pregnant by Ames, who had previously dated Reese. And we hear from the perspective of all three of them throughout the book, not so much Katrina's perspective, which I read some reviews and people wanted to hear more from Katrina. I feel like she had a lot to say. We never really got Katrina's like full POV. We heard what she said like through Ames's POV or Reese's POV, but not like from her own like headspace narration yeah. yeah agreed I felt like there was more to unpack there and we were given like little nuggets and just tidbits to work with but I would have loved to just better understand yeah I think that a lot of people felt that way too and after hearing those complaints I was like yeah I kind of feel that way as well so they are at the outset of thinking of how they want to structure their family Reese has always wanted to be a mother Reese is a trans woman and she never really thought that that would be an opportunity that she could have. And I would say the bulk of the story is told from Reese's perspective. And as a narrator and a woman, she is just so fucking funny and on point and real. And I absolutely loved her personality. And I had, I kind of felt like this was one of those books where Reese sort of represented the author. I felt that way about like Luckiest Girl Alive too, mm-hmm. where it's like, yes, this is a fiction novel, but very much based in the author's life experience. Agreed. So by the end of the book, I don't want to spoil it for you guys. The real question is, and it's not a plot driven book. It's really about like the character development, the interpersonal relationships. And we go back and forth over the course of, I would say eight or 10 years and you know how much I love that. Which is Snitch's least favorite <laughs> I um, hate that. writing technique. But by the end, it ends on a cliffhanger where they're sitting around talking about whether or not they're going to keep the baby and raise it 
together or in what way they're going to raise the baby or if Katrina will have an abortion and then it ends with them each contemplating their own sense of parenthood and womanhood and there's a lot to talk about about what we think happened but for the most part that is the summary of the book like I said that does not do justice the intricacies and the level of detail that the author went to but that is the plot of the book so let's get into our overall thoughts on the book Dana we'll start with you because it was a Danish choice what did you think did we like it what did or didn't we like I loved it I absolutely adored it as you said the writing was so humorous that I found myself truly laughing out loud at her quips and her wittiness it was just so raw and what I loved about the book is it really put me in unfamiliar territory where I didn't know that much about the community about transgenders about womanhood and reading it I just felt like I was learning and through it growing and at times when I found myself like a narrator would say a point I would agree with it and then Reese would come in with why it was problematic or her view on it and be like oh my god you're right like I would have never seen it that way yeah and now that you're expressing it as such like I'm learning even more and I thought I had already learned from the previous statement from Ames so it was just this like cat and mouse growing experience and reading the synopsis I thought I was in for like this juicy love triangle where Ames got his boss pregnant and wants his ex-girlfriend to help raise the baby. And as you mentioned, even though that was the plot, it was so character and interpersonal relationship driven and so literary that it was a nice kind of juxtaposition to have this juicy plot. But really what made the book beautiful was the writing. Yeah, I totally agree. And I felt similarly throughout reading it. Bex, what did you think? No, Dana, I think you really perfectly captured that. I loved how layered the book was. And overall, I thought it was a phenomenal read. I was obsessed with how well-written it was. I just was learning so much about every possible topic. I was learning new vocabulary. I was learning so much about a community that I didn't know a ton about. I was just learning about dynamics and relationships and personalities. I liked like the format of the book. I liked how it felt like there were 10 different stories within a, a larger story. And that always, that, that captured me. Like at no point did I like even know where I was in terms mm-hmm. of like progress towards the end. Right. I was like, how much more is there? No, yeah. I felt that way at some points. I didn't know where I was in terms of like the narrator at the time is going on a tangent. And then that tangent took us on a tangent. And I forget like what setting we're in, like what, is the physical setting that this thought process is happening in like what part of the book are we even at because we're like four tangents deep and I remember when Katrina finally met Reese I looked down it was like 60% through the book I was like (laughs) oh my god I like am so lost in the story I don't even feel like we need to get the show on the road at all yeah definitely snitch what did you think I feel like all of these things that we're saying about the (laughs) going back and forth and the time changes it's triggering me because that is like my least favorite thing about a book and I've said that time and time again I just like hate when I'm like into a chapter, I'm like, okay, great. Like what happens next? And then all of a sudden I'm time traveling. Yeah. And like, that is just, I, it's just my least favorite, like plot device, like form of writing. Um, but I will say, I mean, obviously I echo everything that everybody else said, like so educational, just like taught me so many things that I didn't even think to want to know about, but like that I need to know about. And I just thought it was like, as like four white girls like this was like the perfect book for us to read yeah at times when they were talking in the book about like cis white women like I roll I was like oh my god that's us and now we're gonna do a podcast about it <laughs> but I also then felt like who better than us to read this book because we're the ones who need to read it the most I read a lot of different reviews um 
about the book to get other people's perspective. And this um, review from Meredith Tolson from the publication Them, I just thought was like such a really great highlight. She says, Peter's major innovation is not to sanitize trans lives for vanilla cis digestion, but to compel cis mm -hmm. readers to see gender transition through the metaphorical birth canal of a pregnancy. Rather than seeing a trans world through their cis lens, Peter's makes cis readers see a cis world through a trans lens. Mm, yeah. Love that. In the process, she destabilizes cis assumptions in a way that neatly complements Ames's detransition, the way he is forced to occupy a cis world as a faux cis person even though he's trans mm -hmm. and I just wow. felt like that really summed up what I took away from the book in so many ways and I'm really excited to have this conversation I know that a majority of the redheads community are also cis women and I think that this is such an important read for all of us and to have a better understanding of the trans experience and trans issues and Dana you actually just shared a meme with me before we came in here that Amy Schumer posted um which sounds like it's gonna be like not on like I don't know what with meme you said memes me I don't think memes okay, were it's graphic. a graphic it's a graphic sorry graphic. anything that's like a picture on Instagram that has text on it I call it a meme totally. oh yeah but is it not no <laughs> it's a it's a pie chart and oh. it's two slides the first slide said what people think trans issues are and it's like majorities bathrooms and then the other half is pronouns and then the next slide is what trans issues actually are and pronouns and bathrooms are the smallest pieces of the pie chart the bigger pieces are long waiting lists for gender clinics surgery costs violence against trans people difficulty accessing legal documents with correct name or gender homelessness trans existence being constantly debated by others inaccessible mental health care uneducated medical professionals mm -hmm. and I feel like those two graphics really summed up a lot of what I took away from the book like Mm -hmm. the intricacies of the trans experience and issues that trans men and women deal with that we don't even think to know about. It's interesting you said that because what I've been reading a lot is that detransitioning is very controversial in the transgender community because people tend to weaponize that as attempting uh, to delegitimize people's authenticity with feeling like a woman if they detransition. And what I read a lot of the author's commentary is she said... That is such a small part of like everything and I wanted it to be in the book also a small part of like Ames's general experience. It is a distraction to the major issues that transgenders face as you just read in the pie chart. And it shows that transgenders like all humans can also be flawed and it doesn't represent their entire personality if they do one thing that might be controversial to someone else. Like mm -hmm. as we saw, Ames was a very layered, complex, intriguing character and that was just one small component of everything. Yeah, definitely. And I also, a small piece of the book that I really appreciated was throughout, I felt like I was learning new terms and, and getting a deeper understanding about things that you would think we would know. Like mm -hmm. even the term transgender, I had no idea was an umbrella term used by the CDC to categorize those affected by the AIDS epidemic. And I was highlighting all of these things throughout, obviously like quotes that were powerful and like just had me thinking, but also like words that I didn't know that, I should know yeah. the definition. I actually was really grateful to be reading on my Kindle because I, I'm able Same. to look them up. I was Googling so many Same. words. Like, it do was you not a book read on a Kindle? And I don't, I, yeah, but I did not know how to do it. I uh, read it on my like, phone. You just so hold it down. I read down. it on my phone, so I like You can still so. hold it down oh. on your phone and well, then press define. If you see my recent Google searches, it's all the <laughs> right. definitions of words I just learned. There was one word, I thought I highlighted it, but maybe I didn't. That is like a medical term from when you uh, 
transition from being status negative to status positive and I and I didn't know the word it came up like twice in the book and I was just like that's a word that I should know I looked that up too yeah me too oh that's so funny before we get into everything I need to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Masterclass I am obsessed with Masterclass I am so excited that it's the sponsor of today's show I've been using Masterclass for over a year and a half not only do I use it for myself but I've also gifted it to others and it makes for the most amazing gift if you don't know what Masterclass is With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can literally learn how to cook from Gordon Ramsay. You can learn how to take photos from Annie Leibovitz. You can learn how to do your makeup and get beauty tips from Bobby Brown. Masterclass harnesses the experts in every field and you get to learn directly from the experts. When I gifted it to someone else, I gifted it to an actor and there are filmmaking classes by Martin Scorsese. There are acting classes by Natalie Portman. Like it is so sickening. It's an amazing company enterprise and I think that readers and Redhead listeners will love it. So I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass, and as a Redhead listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash book. That's masterclass.com slash book for 15% off masterclass. I personally have loved taking some of the business courses. Bob Iger teaches a business course that is so fantastic. I think you guys will love it. Check it out at masterclass.com slash book for 15% off. It's an amazing deal, an amazing platform. I think you guys are going to love it. Okay, well, let's get into the DBQs. The book is dedicated to divorced cis women who, like Peters herself, had to face starting their life over without either reinvesting in the illusions from the past or growing bitter about the future. What did you think of the connection Peters made between the trans experience and divorce? Ooh. I thought it spoke to That's a, a hard question. really important message in the whole book, which is I think we're we're all more alike than we are different. I had the same takeaway. <laughs> really? Yeah. I feel like, so Reese spends a lot of time in the book highlighting how the transgender experience is unique. And one scene that stood out to me was when Katrina, she got the book for her mom and for Reese to read. And it talked about how non-biological mothers can be treated as mothers and how others can make more of an effort to like better understand those dynamics and Reese was torn between like gratitude that Katrina went out of her way to want to learn about it but also frustration the book was written by cis lesbians who she thought didn't understand transgenders as perfectly so the book was just like fraught with how much transgenders don't non-transgenders might not understand the trans world but it equally painted the picture of how alike we are in so many ways and using divorced cis women to highlight that I thought was a nice vehicle I totally agree I totally agree too I walked away with a different interpretation that your life can be seemingly going one direction and then go another in in the not an uprooted sense but maybe perhaps that way and I don't know. I was just like seeing some parallels there, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I kind of liked your. <laughs> no, I better. like that too. How it's like I feel like the parallel that she kept drawing between the divorced cis woman and herself was that okay, like we can't totally reject our past or we'll never move forward with somebody else again. And we also have to embrace a future that's different, and, and that's different from like what we thought we knew. Yes, right. And well, that's also what Katrina was saying, like towards the end of the book. When she was like saying to her friends that she's like queer, she was like, there was always something missing in my relationship 
I forget her husband's Danny? name. Danny? Da- David? I don't know. I think it was Danny. I think, I think it was Danny. Was. And she was like, and it was that. So it's like, like she never would have thought that when she was in the relationship with him, but then like coming out of it and then like meeting Reese and being with Ames, like I think taught her like that there's like your future might actually be different than what your past was yeah I also was reading um I think it was an Oprah magazine article with the author and she talks about how when she started writing the novel she found herself trying to reconcile what she assumed were two different audiences for the book cis women and trans women but as she continued creating she began considering what it's like to be divorced in one's 30s which she too had gone through and the similarities between that experience and gender transition she said divorce is a transition story which is an interesting way to mm-hmm. think about it and w- when she explains like that I'm like yes but that's definitely not what I would have thought at the outset of the book yeah who is the celebrity where this quote first arised at the glad awards when she was like I hope they're divorced and Katrina was like why do you hope they're divorced and that's when she was like because it's so much more interesting than a divorced woman I feel like you would Sarah appreciate- Jessica Parker yeah, oh. yeah 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 and Matthew Broderick I really liked how the author used real celebrities yes. even yes. they, they use celebrities as anecdotes like Sarah Jessica Parker at the glad awards but even when um, Reese was talking about her experience with certain celebrities. There was even a director, and I'm like, I'm assuming this is like a fake person. But then I clicked him, and yeah. um, like there was a Wikipedia that he was like a film director, and I'm like, oh my god, I wonder if those are rooted in real experiences with these people. And Zach Morris Ooh. from Saved by yeah. the Bell, yes, that was a good one. And um, the the punk band, um, the artist who wrote the book, she was like a in a band and. I searched her and she that she's oh, that was a, real? a real woman in the band and so I was like wow and that Did was a she real re- album I I think so I there need were to so confirm. many Sex in the City references too oh I I want to talk about the yes. Sex in the City yeah. me too theory because Reese has a theory and I also really liked how Reese on the one hand like had all of these life theories that she sort of abides by and like can categorize different people based on um, her theories that she has but also like self-aware enough to realize like that these theories like sometimes they're yes not totally at the end of the book when Ames was trying to justify having a new family and doing all that and comparing it to her sex in the city theories and she was like wait why are you listening to my theories like I don't know what I'm talking about like she was very self-aware but also her theories were pretty spot on so she just had that perfect balance Yes, she talks about the four um, paths that women can take can be summed up by Sex and the City. They're the options represented by the story arcs of the four female characters of Sex and the City. Find a partner and be a Charlotte. Have a career and be a Samantha. Have a baby and be a Miranda. Or finally, express oneself in art or writing and be a Carrie. She says, every generation of women reinvented this formula over and over. Reese believed blending it and twisting it, but never quite escaping it. Interesting, yeah. Right? You don't even, I never even considered that. Yeah. I loved all the celebrity pop culture references. Yeah. Dribbled into a book that was also so deep. Yes, totally. (laughs) So layered. Okay, next question. In the transgender community, detransitioning is often something that is weaponized against trans people, a way of delegitimizing the authenticity of feeling like you were born in the wrong body. What was the reason that Ames detransitioned, and how did this color your understanding of the community at large? Well, he didn't detransition because he didn't believe that he was born in the wrong body. He just was tired of being a trans woman, like, in this society. Like, he was tired of getting beaten up. Like, he didn't do it because Mm -hmm. he didn't feel like... That was who he was. He did it. 
because he wanted to live an easier life. Yeah, Ames says, quote, I got sick of living as trans. I got to a point where I thought I didn't need to put up with the bullshit of gender in order to satisfy my sense of myself. I am trans, but I don't need to do trans. I wrote that exact quote down, too, because I thought it really encapsulated this fallacy that people think if someone detransitions it means they want to become back into the original biological sex that they were given at birth when it has really very very little if nothing to do with that at all it's just they are struggling with the gravity of how of the hardship of transitioning and all that the prejudice and stuff and how that comes the world looks yes. at trans people i think he said he cited two reasons he's like one i felt like i couldn't satisfy the woman i was with adequately and two I got beat up in a park and that was the last straw yeah and then later in the book Ames is I think it's either he's talking to Reese about it or just thinking about it and it's this interesting dynamic of Ames is telling Reese that he wanted to be more like the men that Reese seemed to be attracted to Mm -hmm. and so there it was very much a complex situation and I think that the book is so great because it takes the time to go through every single layer of the different emotions and feelings that the characters are going through mm-hmm. to the point where the reader can understand. I totally agree. And I also appreciate that I went into the story thinking that thinking one thing about the rationale behind Ames detransition. And I, as a reader, like thought I was right. And I was so quickly turned around and re-educated as to the multifaceted rationale behind why someone could make a transition a decision to detransition and i thought that was a really just like fascinating way to to unravel ames's story a little bit better mm-hmm. yeah and ames talks about how masculinity was an armor to shield him from any emotions and in that phase or in that gender he could kind of disassociate and detach everything whereas when he was a girl who he really felt like this is my femininity, this is my womanhood. He felt everything so strongly. So detransitioning was a way to almost hide from all of the world's feelings yeah. that he couldn't handle. But it continues to be such a complicated topic because I remember after Ames and Reese had not connected in so long, they get together. I forget if it's in person or over the phone, but they were chatting and Reese was like, girl, you wish. Mm-hmm. And it like, it was like a that's so raven moment for Ames who was like it was the most comforting thing to hear it was like almost like a drug hearing Reese say girl you wish because it was like such a familiar comforting yeah language for him to be associated with again and you can tell that like what a complicated world that Ames lives in that yeah he detransitioned but still feels such a certain way about his community Mm -hmm. and about the people that he loves so much and everything and I like how Reese recounted a conversation she once had with an elderly person when she told them she was transgender and they commented your life must be so hard she was like no I chose this I want to be this this is my choice and I thought that was really poignant of like no, I am making a very conscious choice that I want to live this way because it is not as hard as the other way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow, very true. At one point, Katrina's mom advises them to stop philosophizing about the family dynamic logistics and just start preparing for a baby. Was this good advice? Yeah, because it's like you can talk about something as much as you want, but like until it's actually happening, like 
there's nothing that you can really do. Yeah, and also, like, you can worry about what things are going to look like in 10 years from now, but if you haven't figured out what they're going to look like 10 days Mm -hmm. from now, then how are you even going to get to that 10th year? So I just think it's, like, you know, tackle what's right in front of you. I think in general that's always good advice, and it's, like, my favorite song from Frozen 2, do the next right thing. At Mm -hmm. first I thought it was a good idea, and then... I saw, I thought it was like a breakthrough for Katrina and Reese. But then I saw how quickly things derailed when the situation with Reese and her cowboy and being a friend of Katrina. That was a crazy thing to unfold and it really destabilized their entire arrangement so quickly that I was like, oh, like, were we too presumptuous or, like, did we move too fast in certain directions without adequately thinking through the multi-layered details Mm -hmm. of like what this actually means for this trio of people and therefore a child yes but I also feel like because they got to a place before they tackled all those issues they got to a place of like excitement and thinking about what things could be the registry right and so yes a challenge came up and they kind of weren't prepared for it and everything went off course but the hope of that idea from the beginning I think carries them into what would be a sequel of the book and I don't, we'll get into this, but I think that they do decide to pursue that future together, the three of them. I loved when the mom was like, it doesn't really matter whose name is on the birth certificate when the baby's crying at 3 a.m., like someone's going to go get him out of instinct. I <laughs> totally agree. I thought that was yeah. amazing advice. Yes. Like, Yeah, as good of advice as they could have received and exactly what they needed to hear because yes. everyone was interested and curious in pursuing this and seeing how it could play out. So they needed the space to be able to yeah. do that. It basically was like, stop trying to control everything because when it comes down to it, your motherly instinct is going to kick in and like, it doesn't matter legally what really it says at that point. Yes. Katrina and Reese separately worry that they are quote psychopaths. Katrina in her relief over her miscarriage and Greece in her apathy over her trans friend's deaths. What do you think this shared self-description means for each character and what do they do to rationalize and cope with their guilt? So I feel like Katrina realized that her relief over the miscarriage had nothing to do with her not wanting to be a mom and had everything to do with her not wanting to be married anymore to her husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a rationalization that worked for her. And it was funny when she was describing, this is one of my favorite scenes, when they were on the couch with the couples and she's like, all of a sudden it was like a scene played out where everyone was apes curling into their husband <laughs> and I just refused to participate. And in my head, I just kept being like, you are the reason I have relief over my miscarriage. And it was just a very, like strong well-worded moment in the book and Reese felt guilty because she had such apathy towards all her friends deaths and she coped with it by forcing herself to go to every funeral because she said at every service there was always a moment where it really hit her and the pain enveloped her and she remembered oh my god this is my friend and I actually do not feel nothing I feel everything Mm -hmm. and then she was able to recover and go back out into the world with a different armor than she previously had but one that was more meshed with not guilt over apathy but just strong feelings about her friend's death and I thought it was interesting because Katrina and Reese this was separate in the book they never talked about how they feel like they're both psychopaths these were completely independent thoughts right which I think relates back to what you said earlier Mm -hmm. which is we're more alike than we are different exactly moral of the story Oh, we'll get (laughs) there, Cavs. You know that we'll get there. And even though people experience things differently Mm -hmm. and at different levels and at different magnitudes, like the human experience often comes down to 
a few essential feelings. And if you think that in their words that you're being a quote psychopath, you're probably not. And there's probably a lot more people who feel the same way you are. Oh, definitely. And I think the first step of not being a psychopath is being able to be honest with yourself. Yes. The revelation that Reese has been sleeping with the husband of Katrina's friend is the trigger that upends the entire co-parenting dynamic. What did you think of everyone's reaction? Was Katrina being fair? Was Reese? I thought that Katrina was being completely unfair. Like, yeah, I get it. You shouldn't sleep with a married man, for sure. But it's not like she knowingly did it knowing that it was Katrina's, like, best friend, that Katrina helped, like, their marriage problem. Like, she, it's a really shitty coincidence, but, like, the reaction, like, taking her, like, parental rights away was like a little much but think if your best friend went through something like that and you were so heavily involved in helping her and being at the forefront and all of a sudden you're having a baby with a woman you just met who was involved on the other end of it that's like a lot to grapple with you know no like and she even admitted katrina that her reaction was like over was a lot was like Mm -hmm. too much so, yeah, I guess, like, when you frame it like that. Like, no, I but I agree with you way. that it, was, it wasn't so fair to Reese for her to have that. Right, yeah. but I don't think she it was It was an unfortunate overlap yeah. and a very upsetting coincidence, but I do think that it was an intense reaction from Katrina. Like, for sure, she was at the... Has, had a front seat to watching her friend's relationship take a very tumultuous turn. Mm-hmm. But, listen, you're about to embark on something intense, like, don't waver over this this hiccup at first yeah and the collision of everything the author just did such a good job because the cowboy had told reese in their affair that his wife was going through ivf because he had aids and even though it was undetectable she didn't trust it and then like you hear from her name is diana at the party how she's going through ivf like Mm -hmm. everything once you realize the connection was like oh my god yeah no and and as a reader it's like all those connections were there but i really didn't put it together until they were sitting at that dinner and And that dinner was right after one of the scenes that actually turned out to be one of my favorites in the book when they were at this essential oils party. And I just thought there were so many elements of it that made it so interesting and hysterical. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, when they want everyone to write down, you know, things they're concerned about. And Reese just assumes everyone's going to be fake, flub their way through it. And then she looks (laughs) over and the woman next to her is like, binge eating and no sex drive and Reese's like oh these when did like cis white women get sort of real yes. and I thought that was so funny and so I funny. also liked how eventually like it became a comfortable space mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and especially for her and she said like she never expected to come out at this essential oils you know MLM party but here she is and yeah. she was reading over one of the women's shoulders who was taking rigorous notes on what the trainer was saying and she's like one of the notes was made his wife be less of a bitch <laughs> like she was really really astute in those observations yeah I just thought that was really funny so it was a very high funny scene to like oh my god it all has come like pinnacle crashing down. And even though it wasn't a plot driven story, it did, you did sort of need that moment of everyone, even in like any book or movie where there's a moment where everyone's mad at each other. And like things fall apart kind of. Things fall apart and then they come together. Yeah. Or do they? Which leads to our next question. What did you think of the ending? What decision do you think Reese, Ames, and Katrina ultimately made? I want to hear what everyone thinks. Part of me thinks that, Katrina had the abortion which like I don't think a lot of people are going to think it's just that like I never really expected her to actually like go through with the abortion and like book the appointment whereas it's like now I think that like as much as as much as Reese 
and Katrina like want to be mothers like I think that maybe they like come to the realization that like this might just not work huh I personally think that they go forward with having the baby I think you know them getting together and sitting around and talking about it realizing that there are three wonderful capable adults Mm -hmm. who want to be parents in their own way and there is a baby who's almost coming like I I think that they they find a way to forge ahead and forge a new path as opposed to ending it for everyone because I think I don't think that's what any of them want I really don't I loved when Katrina was talking about her choices and Ames was like yep the you have no choice but the choice is yours that's how I feel all the time yeah and it was just really a, a great transition but I kind of thought they had the abortion. I don't know. Yeah, I just think like they probably discussed it at length. But ultimately, Ames was honest and that he cannot promise that Mm -hmm. he won't eventually transition back to a woman or he can't be that stabilizing force that she needs. And do you think that perhaps she came to terms with those things and is like, I'd rather take this chance and this exciting new? No, Ames did not give me that vibe that he would like take that chance. No, but I'm saying, do you think that Katrina Katrina. took that chance? Like, Ames said to Katrina, like, I want to be a parent, but I cannot guarantee that I will not transition. And so it's on Katrina. Like like Mm -hmm. you said, it's it's her choice. Yet These are her choices. It's on Katrina to to decide whether or not she can live with that. I think that they went through with having the abortion. I do not think that they have the baby. Wow, three, one. I was expecting to be the only one. Yeah, I... The reason being is because I think that when Katrina like had the realization that she's like, I don't want to hear the heartbeat. I don't want to be left in a precarious situation of unknown. I realize that like this is more complicated for me than I think I can handle. Like I think that those were like hard thoughts to come to terms with, but it sounds like she was pretty finite in her mentality of being like, this is how I feel. And when she invited Ames and Reese to, like, come over for, like, her pre-appointment, like, hangout, whatever it was, <laughs> powwow, she was like, yeah, invite Reese. Like, I think she was, like, already in the mindset of, like, Reese can be there. Like, we'll probably talk about parenthood. We'll probably have a heartfelt discussion about the situation. But I think, like, she invited them over knowing that, like, I'm still going through with this. I yeah. think towards the end of the book, they – um she talks about how she invited Reese and it's kind of like, oh, why'd she invite Reese? Like, because Reese is already out of the equation. And I think in her inviting Reese, that's her wanting Reese to convince her. That's yeah. what Reese thought. To, to, and I think if Reese, like Reese can do can, anything, she can do anything. She yeah. can like, she she's can, a expert at psychological warfare. She no, can like, do Wim Hof. And, and I think, but that's what Katrina wants. She wants to be convinced. And that's why she invited Reese and Reese is obviously going to convince her. And I think that they're, gonna have the baby I'm so curious to hear what the redheads think because I was not expecting a three-on-one I know me neither Reese is on your side she said to Ames I feel like she's inviting me for me to talk her out of it yeah which by the way I think is kind of true I think she just wanted all opinions present yeah however her decision like she's like like we said it's it's her choice so much pressure for her oh Mm -hmm. yeah honestly yeah I like I, I thought Katrina like really just handled like everything in stride you know for sure yeah well we have some questions about Katrina so now we're gonna get into the redhead questions how does the concept of womanhood drive the plot of this story? The novel follows the story of two trans women and one cisgendered woman. Do you feel like the theme of womanhood drove them apart or brought them together? I think it did both. It drove them apart to bring them together because it's like at the end of the day, like Reese 
all she wanted was to be a mother. And then Katrina is like the pregnant. I don't know. I just feel like so much of the book was like just about womanhood and like the things like Reese could and couldn't do as a woman and things Katrina could and couldn't do as a woman. Yeah. I think the two major themes are womanhood and motherhood Mm -hmm. and how those two are interconnected but also at times clash yeah right and this redhead phrases the question saying concept of womanhood which i think is interesting because it begs the question is womanhood a concept is gender a construct i mean when katrina and ames have their first open conversation after she gets wasted and he's like i will tell you everything katrina kind of responds saying you know trans people are starting to be everywhere maybe gender doesn't matter that much and i thought ames's reply was really powerful he said I think it's the opposite. The whole reason transsexuals transition is because gender matters so incredibly much. And he said that the the aspect of fatherhood, it proved to him that it, it does matter and it is really important. Yeah. So I don't know, the exploration of those themes, I just thought they did a very good job. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. And our next question kind of relates to that. This reader writes in saying, first of all, I just want to thank you for picking a diverse book. It's nice to see representation of all different types of minorities in your redheads picks. In the cab ride after Katrina outs Ames at the business meeting, she apologizes but still expresses that it's not equal to what Ames did to her, that they are still not even. I'm not sure if I misunderstood how long they had been dating because that would clearly make a difference in how Katrina felt, but I found myself in reading that part thinking she was in the wrong. She was drinking while pregnant to the point of drunk and she outed him in a business meeting. Wondering if the redheads felt the same and also does her feelings of betrayal justify her actions? No, I do not think so. I think her actions were pretty unfair and like horrifying to do that to someone that you like seemingly love, but also a coworker and also to a human being, you know? It's yeah. like so personal. And she needed to have a layer of of just like being an upstanding human being between her and what she did. Um and I understand the betrayal that she felt in their personal relationship, but like to hash it out as like if she's really this professional business woman beau that we think she is I'm like seriously like I you lost all credibility in my mind and I think it highlighted like this important motif that kept coming up in the book of kind of this competitiveness about victimhood everyone was always competing about who was That's more a really of a good victim point. Yeah. yeah she called it the oppression olympics yes like was it Reese who couldn't carry a child was it Katrina, who was of mixed race, was it Ames, who couldn't live his truth? Like, I think the message, as we keep repeating, is everyone suffers. We don't need to minimize or maximize someone's in comparison to another's. And we're more alike than we are different. Like, we all go go through stuff, and we can be supportive. Yeah, Yeah. I really appreciated Reese's, like, approach to that and also her self-awareness when she knew she was playing that card, Mm -hmm. even towards the end when she wrote the letter. And it was, like, half things that she really feels and half things that she's going to say to make you feel even worse. Mm -hmm. I can't believe she sent it. I know. Oh my God, I, I was know. not expecting her for that. And I can't believe she sent it intentionally. I thought it was going to be like she rolled over in her sleep. Yeah, woke yeah. up and then did, no, everyone was so yelling at Reese her. it's so that she sent it intentionally. I know, but it's like... In the morning. Reese, but Reese writes these letters all the time and like never sends them. So I definitely thought it was going to be like a, oops, I left my laptop on while I was sleeping. Um, but I agree with you, Dane. I think that was like a theme that came up a lot. And I thought the author and the characters handled it in a very interesting mm-hmm. way. 
Before we move on to the next redhead question, I'm so excited to tell you guys about Every Jewels. It is one of my new favorite jewelry companies, and not only have I found the cutest pieces for spring and for summer, but I also shared my hookup with the other redhead girls, and we are getting the cutest duds for this season. Are you looking for trendy and affordable jewelry and accessories for this summer? I personally have been on such a like chain link necklace kick that has also like evolved into like chain link bracelets and rings, and I'm just really feeling trendy cute jewelry I feel like it's such a great trend and an easy way to dress up an outfit I recently discovered a company called every jewels that has the cutest accessories started by a fourth generation jeweler and the first female in the family to start her own company Brittany had a vision to create a line of pieces that can be worn by everyone every day the brand every jewels focuses on selling high quality and affordable jewelry so I love jewelry that is fun but not super pricey because then you can't mix as much as much as you want to with fun pieces like every jewels has so it is the perfect jewelry company and you guys need to check it out on top of selling the cutest jewelry every jewels also sells fun accessories like purses tote bags sunglasses hair clips and more you guys know that i love a cute hair clip i think it can be just as accessorizing if not more than a piece of jewelry so Every Jewels has everything that you need for all of your accessorizing needs. Check out their newest pieces at everyjewels.com and use code REDHEADS10 at checkout for 10% off your order. That's everyjewels.com with code REDHEADS10 at checkout for 10% off your order. Just a reminder that REDHEADS is spelled R-E-A-D-H-E-A-D-S. So check it out. Enjoy it. Me and the gals are going to be wearing all of our Every Jewels all summer long and I'm just so obsessed. So let's get into the REDHEAD questions. Next reader writes, I thought one of the most powerful moments of the book was when Katrina asked Reese why she wanted to be a mom. And her response was that, so no one ever asks me that question again. I thought this symbolized how trans women's decisions to be a mom is always questioned, but no one would ask a cis woman why they want to be a mom because it is just assumed to be part of their natural makeup as a woman. Did you find this moment powerful? What other moments in the book stood out to you? I, th- I found the initial conversation at the GLAAD Awards between Katrina and Reese to be very powerful. And I think that um, the conversation about motherhood was, of course, impactful. But I think just Katrina's approach and like and, and the ultimate respect that Reese comes to have for Katrina in like not being afraid to say the wrong thing mm-hmm. and ultimately like creating a space where they can be candid and honest and vulnerable with mm-hmm. each other. I think that the initial conversation that they had really created a space for them to have a, a genuine relationship and ultimately and you know my version of events of what happens like a, a great co-parenting yeah. relationship because Katrina is able to like ask questions without and I think Reese was also the, perfectly receptive to that and ultimately had a lot of respect for Katrina for being that type of person and I actually loved Katrina's response to that to Reese's answer which was my question wasn't asking why this is hard. My question is, tell me why you specifically, Reese, want to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And Reese did admit that she kind of dodged the question. And I wish she had spoken what was going on in her internal monologue, which she dubbed as she thought too simplistic to be adequate enough. But I thought it was more than adequate when she was saying her reasons were she um, loves the smell of babies and she likes to hold children and she likes to rock a baby and communicate with her body. Like she didn't tell Katrina that was why she wanted to be a mom, but she should have because I thought those were great. Yeah. 
Yeah, when she talked about the ice skating growing up and, yes. and the, the friend's mom who really took her in and, yes. and, and made her feel so special. And those are, like, I, I don't remember if she said that out loud or if it was just her inner monologue, but by the end of, of those passages, I mean, there was no question mm-hmm. left. Right, right. But I also feel like in, in the, that exchange between the two of them, it's like what you said, this cat and mouse game of understanding where it's like, Katrina would ask a question and I'm like good question and then Reese would give her an answer and I'm like and I understand Reese's answer and then Katrina would yeah. challenge her on that I'm like good challenge yes <laughs> and so the the conversations and were layered and it wasn't just like you're right you're wrong it's like let's let's talk about it yeah it was like a chess game yeah it's true but not in a competitive way and like in a like the ultimate goal was just like achieving understanding of one another yeah. which I think is a great lesson period and when Reese retorted being like I no one asks cis people why they want to be a mother mm-hmm. if anything they say why don't you want to be a mother and Katrina was like actually like I think we come from different places my mom who was an Asian woman all the time was given pressure to not have children of a mixed race so I think you're actually conflating like cisgender cis women right now because no that's not entirely true like sometimes women are faulted for having children if people think they shouldn't yeah totally true it was such a fair point and such an interesting angle that mm-hmm. I think I had not personally given a ton of thought to thinking about in the past. Same. Okay, our next question. Hi, Redheads. In the last chapter, Ames compares his body before transitioning to a good dog that was eventually lost when Amy transitioned. When Ames detransitioned, he says he didn't get his dog back. Why does Ames use this good dog analogy, and why do you think he couldn't get the dog back after detransitioning? So the good dog metaphor was when Ames was living as a man, he had this symbolic dog that was kind of this outlet or intermediary intermediary for him to put all of his pain on and then he said when he transitioned to amy as a woman the dog was gone because he was so in tune to head matched body parts yeah it no longer needed this external source when he was having sex with someone he didn't need to think about something else she was finally a woman and living her truth and when she detransitioned back to ames as a man that dog was no longer there and I don't know. I think it speaks to how he just numbed himself after he became a man again, because as we talked about, his armor prevented him from feeling any pain, but it also prevented him from feeling any joy. And that dog symbol when he was younger that he used to put that pain on, it was no longer there because he was just kind of so dissociated from everything. I fully misinterpreted that. (laughs) It was when they were at the batting cages and I was like, oh, pre-transition, he was like strong and... And just athletic and like youthful, like doing his thing at the batting cages. And then perhaps the hormones when Ames transitioned to Amy impacted his athletic ability. You thought and it as physical, and I sure Dana did. thought about it as emotional. I thought about. I had it to as read it a few times. It was it was. Confusing. I go with Dana on I'm this one. I'm going with. Yeah, Dana. I always deferred to. <laughs> yeah, but of I, it was very I did confusing. think of it as physical first at, at, at t- too. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm glad that we are talking about it now because I there was a I missed a step. And this dog pet motif was prevalent. I don't know if you remember when he was talking about losing his virginity for the first time he was able to do it because he pictured himself as a pet he used the word pet of uh, Denise let her remember her name Uh, Delilah Delilah Delia Delia Delia. yeah and that dissociation strategy where he would picture himself almost as Delia being the woman involved I just think it was so tied into the psychological underpinning of how to confront being in the wrong body Yeah. yeah he also talks about the juvenile elephants like that's another 
in yeah. oh yeah instance of him bringing kind of like animals into the mm-hmm. equation oh wow I never put all of those pieces together but I did think that the tangent of juvenile ev- elephants was so like Poignant. informative and also like the perfect analogy to sum up what he was trying to say 100% mm-hmm. I thought it was like one of the most interesting takeaways not from the book like there was so much interesting from in the book but like it really blew my mind that mm-hmm. that analogy yeah our final redheads question, similar to the one before, about Ames. When Amy detransitions to a man, he changes his name to Ames rather than going back to his original name, James. My question is, if he were to transition back to a woman, do you think he would change his name back to Amy or pick a completely new name? Ooh. I think he would pick a completely new I name. I think he would too. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think he'd go back to Amy. I think he would go back to Amy too. Well, because I Iris, love a little difference of opinion. Yeah. I know. Iris said like he couldn't bear to go back to James when he became a man again, so he picked Ames. I don't think he would feel similarly going back to a woman. It would not be That's he couldn't fair. bear it. He would be embracing of it. Maybe so it it's a variate because like maybe it's a variation because it goes James Amy. Aim. So it's like all still the same, but it's like a, it's a new like chapter. But yes. I think a- I think Amy was such a broken version of herself by mm-hmm. the by the time that she decided to become Ames that reverting back to Amy might be a disservice. That's true. And also she might just want like a fresh might, start. yeah, it might hold a lot of baggage that a retransition might not warrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I'm gonna stick to. My original opinion, which is that... So you like Dana Moore? <laughs> no, no, that was just was I'm going just to my answer to the question. Though you, though the two of you pose strong arguments, I don't know. I'm curious, again, like what the redheads think. We're split here. So it's a great question. I want to hear from the listeners. Yeah. Great I think question. Amy, if we're going just based off the logic of James to Ames was because he couldn't bear to be a man again, and Amy back to Amy, I think, would be much more tolerable and preferred. Totally. I agree with that. Or... Kind of. I hear you. Yes. I see you. I feel you. Great. So now it is time for the moral of the story. I feel like throughout our discussion, a lot of morals have come up. Who wants to take a stab at it first? I think I'll just repeat what I've been saying, which is we're more alike than we are different. I'm going to echo that. Yeah. Because it's right. I had a takeaway of you never understand what someone is going through. Oh, I yeah. like that. I yeah. also had a takeaway of, I couldn't think of the wording correctly, but like, you know that phrase of like walking in someone else's shoes mm-hmm. and I I feel like for this book it's very apt as these I would all be women's shoes and and they might look different and they are different but you should try taking a walk in them mm-hmm. okay now it is time for the Hollywood treatment I saw on the author's Instagram that this book has been optioned as a TV show and I think it would I make think it's gonna be so good it would make an amazing TV show it yes. would really be a modern sex in the city I think I also loved how it was such a New York book like oh yeah we were all over the place New York Williamsburg Brooklyn Greenpoint and I love when a book or movie or show takes place in New York and captures the spirit of the city because it's so easy to make it like cheesy 100% so I that was like another added bonus so let's start casting who did you have as Reese? I'll go first. I had Candace Kane. She was in Dirty Sexy Money, and she's so stunning, and I think she's my Reese. Love that. I had Trace Lysette. She was amazing in Hustlers. She was in Transparent. But I also thought that Tori Peters, who is the author of I- this book... Would be a perfect Reese. I agree. I was stalking her Instagram like <laughs> while I was reading the book and also after. And like I really 
kind of was having a hard time separating her from Reese. And I feel like, I don't know if she has any like acting dreams, but I feel like she could 100% be No, she was giving me strong Reese energy. Totally. Yeah. I chose Jazz Jennings, who is a transgender woman. She's probably a little young for the role because she's 18 in real life. But I just want to give a quick plug to the show I Am Jazz, which features Jazz Jennings and her family. I'm obsessed with it. I DVR it. I've been following Jazz all my life. Like, she is just a wonderful human being. And I recommend everybody watch the show or at least follow her on Instagram because she's fabulous. Wow. You love her so much. (laughs) And that's, that's a good cast. Yes. Snitch. I had Jamie Clayton. I've been rewatching Designated Survivor, so that's why half of my picks are um, people from that show because I was reading and watching, you know, at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I couldn't stop imagining her. Perfect. For Ames, I had Eddie Redmayne. I don't know who else, who other people saw as Ames. I saw uh, Timothy Chalamet. I honestly Ooh. think it's because like someone always has to choose him for some Hollywood treatment. <laughs> so I've automatically started putting him in books that I read. Oh, that's so oh. interesting. No, literally he is cast in every, every single, single episode. No that wonder we do. why he's in like every movie. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good one. I like that. Thanks. I think I saw him on the street last night. Ooh. I keep thinking oh about God. it. I know. It was big. Did you check his Instagram to see if like he's in he New York? He legit doesn't post. Oh. Do you the, check I, like just Jared to see if he was papped in New I York? I was going to check his Instagram, but then I was like, I know that he never posts. Mm-hmm. He he's was like wearing styles like post like it, once a year. I really think Where it was were you? him. I was in the West Village, so like it was definitely him. Check just Jared. Okay. They'll, just let, Jared. they'll let you know what Timothy was up to. Okay, great idea. Um, I selected Will Poulter. I just saw a picture of him recently and I was like this feels Ames like to me he was in We're the Millers and a few other like oh, random such things a cutie. such a cutie and just like gave me that energy so I went for it nice I picked Bo Burnham. He's in The Big Sick and Eighth Grade and also a new movie that just came out, Promising Young Women, which is so good. Do you, Claudia watched it and oh, she really? liked it so much. I think I need to watch it. I need and to you, watch it. Probably you would either love send, it or Yeah, hate they it. sent me their PR kit, so like I, I definitely oh need to God. watch it, even though I want to in, anyway, but now I absolutely It's have such to. a different kind of movie that it'll just be very refreshing to watch. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before. You'll either love it or hate it, but Bo Burnham is like the main guy in it. So oh, great. Uh, tell me if you get Ames vibes. And then for Katrina, I had Ali Wong. I... I had Maggie Q, designated survivor. Oh, that's so funny. Ali Wong was in um, Always Be My Maybe, and Love she's a her. comedian, and I think she would be like a great. Yeah, she's boss epic. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Woman. I chose Lucy Liu because that also felt very right to me. Mm-hmm. I chose Lana Kander. So you're like casting the YA version. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. She's yeah. doing but like you know what? I'm skewing young. All of the juniors, but like if but sometimes when they make something into a, a movie, they, they make always make them younger. older or younger, and so. I think altogether you have a good show on your hands. Reese did yeah. call them the baby trans, so this True. is the sequel. <laughs> totally. Okay, now it is time for our overall rating of the book, and I actually think that our conversation is affecting my rating. And I feel like that happens for you guys sometimes, yes. and even for the readers, where it's like, I read this book, I didn't love it, but then listening to your conversation, I liked it way more. And I feel now having like debriefed it, I'm changing my rating out. Hey. Okay, Dana, let's start with you because it was a Dana's choice. I gave it a 4.7. Wow. Wow, is that your highest? We know that you are like... It, I don't remember I mean, what I gave what my did you give my dark <laughs> yeah. But this is book. on par. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I gave this a four. I thought it was incredible. 
Nice. I gave this a four also. Love that. Snitch. I gave it a three five. Okay. Just because, you know. That's the high format. For yeah. And the <laughs> format, like I, it was really hard for me to get past the jumping around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say there was so much that I loved about it. At times, the tangents, it was hard to like stay on track. And generally speaking, I am, I do not like character novellas that are not plot driven like I need a start middle and Mm -hmm. end and I need like the fact that there was literally no end and it was like just from the first day of the book to the last day of the book was maybe like three weeks it's just it's not my favorite style of book but it was one of the best what is it called when it's not plot driven like character Character literary yeah like character development books because I've read some of those which you know I hated so this was probably my favorite the few of the few that I've read so our overall redheads rating for Detransition Baby by Tori Peters is a 4.05 love Love it love it one of our highest we're we're a tough bunch we are wait I have a question about the name yes do you have any thoughts as to why it was called Detransition Baby? Obviously, I know that AIM's Detransition, but I feel like... And Baby. Uh, they were well, I a baby. read something that was like the comma. The comma is key in the title, and it, it makes the title so that it could be read two different ways. Like one, you have Detransition, and then, and then Baby. Mm-hmm. So it's like Detransition, Oh, like they're comma, separate entities. Baby, yes. And the other one is like Detransition, Baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, to like celebrate it because it's always like they use it to delegitimize. Huh. Great title. Great title. I think Packed there's a, a, lot punch. Of, a lot of different ways that you can think yeah. about it. And I also loved the cover yeah, of me the book. Yeah, me too. I think it's so stunning. Yeah, yeah every I time agree. I saw it, I was like, I'm oh, judging the book by its cover. Yeah, judge this book by its cover. It really, it's <laughs> like artwork. Way, I'm sorry, like I always judge books by its cover. That's and how you know we what? knew. Have you seen Louisville? <laughs> and I feel really good about judging books by the cover, except no, one of the books I read this month, I judged it on the cover, and it was an amazing cover and a horrible book. So oh. no, I feel like oftentimes that does happen. Yeah, but I'm saying to get me to read the book, you're I judging judge it. Yeah. Okay, well, now that is a wrap on Detransition Baby. What a great choice. Thank you, Dana. I hope that all the redheads enjoyed it as much as we did, and I look forward to hearing everyone's thoughts. But now it is time for the other books that we read this month. I read so many. I'm not going first because then we'll never get to your guys's. <laughs> we have to be swift to be brief, be gone, because I'm so I'm hungry. Starving, oh, right. Guys. We have a dinner <laughs> reservation, and we're going so long. So who read anything this month? I, I read... Did. I Am Pilgrim, which, as you guys know, is my favorite book ever. Did you read it again? I read it again. It's my second time reading this book. It was her in-between book, in-between books, Mm. and then she finally finished it for the second time. And I finally finished it because it's so long. So for those who haven't yet read it, you need to put it on your list right now. Yes. Don't wait one more more minute. It'll be offensive to the rest of us. Snitch hasn't read it. (gasps) Snitch. You're up, Snitch. Come on. Snitch, you should read it. Don't you want to see, like, what we're all been raving about? I guess, but I did that with Lucky Girl Alive. Don't you want to oh, do something good true. for me? Never mind. I don't want to. For I don't you, wanna... I would do it if you framed it like that, not like see what we're all Aww, talking about. That's so nice. I don't want to feel Snitch's wrath when she doesn't like it, and it's really long. So you know what? I'm out. All Forget right, it. Right, right. Okay, I read An American Marriage by Tayari so Tayari Jones. I liked it. Oh. I just found a lot of the characters like so annoying, and so like <laughs> there was nobody that like. Don't listen to her audience. It is an amazing book. I I just like. I don't know. It just wasn't for me, but um, an interesting read, like, nevertheless. And what, I don't know if you guys know this, but Snitch is actually cheating on us and doing another book club. I did know that. I already did it. You did it? Mm-hmm. How'd it go? She it did went, it. It went really well. What, and how was it better or worse than Redheads? By the way, the podcast that you went on is... Uh, Illy some podcast with Kenzie Elizabeth. Okay, and so do you, was it a similar format to, like, Redheads questions? Um, it, Kenzie, if you're listening, like, love you so much, but we were both like really hungover and tired and doing it Stop. over Zoom. So it was really just like us like chatting and like 
not really loving the book. Um, it wasn't as like um, structured. structured. Punchy. That is structured. so funny. That's perfect for you. Yeah, exactly. Love to hear it. I joined my workbook club and I was the only person on the Zoom. No one else came. <laughs> oh, <stop. laughs> no. It was me and the moderator. <laughs> no, Dana. What was the book? That's what I get for trying to cheat on you guys. Yeah. Um, it was called Pachinko, which was really good. I would recommend it to oh, everybody. I've heard of it. Yeah. What do you rate it? Like honestly, a four point five. It was Wait, great. Stop. So, <laughs> the, so the the HR sent out like yep. doing company book club. Who wants in? And you were like me, of course. Along with, by the way, several other people who clicked attending. Okay, and then they set up the Zoom to talk about the book, mm-hmm. and it was you and the moderator. Yep. Did you talk about the book? We did. <laughs> <laughs> we fucking did. <laughs> Awkward. It started at 6.30. I said I had a hard stop at 7. Who has a hard stop at 7? I mean, oh my you're God. done with work. Like, you have yeah. a hard stop to go oh live your life. Oh, my God. Was it's the a pandemic. Do you know, is the moderator someone, like, from the office? Yes. Like, she was lovely. We had a great conversation. But neither of us had signed up for what we ended up talking about. And are you doing it again? I will never, ever, <laughs> ever do that again. Oh, my God. But I will see what the books are because they give great options. I just will not join another Zoom in Okay, my life. so by Redhead Standard, what do you rate Pachinko? Um, I think I actually like referenced it in a previous podcast, but I would rate it like a 4.5. It was very good. Okay. It was so good. But the other books I read this month, um, Everything is Here is Beautiful by Mira Lee. I gave it a 4.4. It was a gorgeous, wonderful, perfect book. I would recommend it to everybody. Perfect book, 4.4. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect book, zero. So, so do you transition baby was better than perfect for you? Yes. Okay. Um, I read Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. I hated it. I gave it a 2.6. Started so strong, but it was like a murder mystery, and I just don't have patience for like those sort of books right now. I read The Memory Keeper's Daughter by Kim Edward, which I think is like a famous book that I just never read. It was also very literary, so if you were a little uh, turned off by the density of the book we just read, then maybe put this on your list for later. But it was a great read. I gave it a 4.0. And Snitch, I finally read Verity by Colleen oh, Hoover. Oh, um, what'd you think? As it like, was great. It was a little corny for me, but that didn't stop me from plowing through it. I finished you, it in 24 hours. Are you manuscript or oh, team What do you letter? think the truth is? I think the truth is that she did not actually do any of the things in the fake autobiography. At the end. Like, and you don't believe that last-ditch effort at the end. No, I believe the, like, last It was a that, writing exercise? Yes, I believe it was a writing what? exercise. Yes. Nobody thinks that. I do. Uh, in my heart of hearts, I do, but I can't mm-hmm. live with that. Oh, right. I can't, so I'm I can't like, remember. It doesn't matter. Put it away. Yes. Never think about it. I would it. rather believe the other because it would just be a nice, neat bow to tie the story up. But in my heart, I fully think it was a writing exercise. Wow. And that she wasn't actually like an evil, evil bitch. Yeah. She just wrote everything through that lens. I think she was I mean, just, an easy way to find out would be to ask that editor that she was having dinner with when her husband was not paying attention and ask the editor if she made that suggestion to her. Yeah. I read I this mean, book over I read, a year yeah, ago. I, 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 I fucking remember that. Yeah. Like, I but it was a really good book. I understand the Colleen Hoover hype. Like, she definitely writes great Claudia books. Claudia is reading Colleen Hoover now, and she is... She's on a tear. She's loving it. Oh like, she God. keeps calling me. She's like, oh, my God, I'm fucking obsessed. Although I could not handle, like, it doesn't matter anyway. I'm never going to agree to this. Five seconds later, I agreed. It doesn't matter anyway. I'm not staying in his house for more than a day. 
I stayed for a month. Yeah. <laughs> like those yeah. kinds of. Also, the beginning of that book came back to me the other day because I was like crossing the street and there was a truck and I was like, remember in the beginning of Verity when someone's like skull gets crushed by a truck? Like that was unnecessary. Yeah, that was <laughs> totally. Crazy. I thought that was going to be the whole book. Yeah. I never talked about it again. And then of course, like the person who helps her in the bathroom, like fine. Blah, Couldn't blah, blah. she just like maybe almost get hit by a bike and he takes That's her to like see if she's Colleen okay? Hoover of it, it. You know, the Colleen Hoover way. Okay, here I go. You guys, I had such a big month because I went on like two mini vacations where I just read, read, read. So first book I read, you guys inspired me last month, The Girl on the Train. So good. So good. I gave it a four, like great thriller vibes. I definitely, it wasn't until the end-ish where I started to piece together what had happened. So good. And I do intend to watch the movie, but I like to just, I just want to space it out because I don't want one thing to make me hate the Mm -hmm. other. Then I read The Da Vinci Code. Amazing. So good. Iconic. Iconic. Like, it was really enjoyable, smart, like, history, learned a lot. But I also, I did feel like I was watching an action movie. Yeah. And I've never seen the movie Da Vinci Code. I still haven't watched it. I watched a trailer afterwards, and I felt like I watched it because, like, I just wanted to see who played who. Um, and so maybe I'll watch it eventually. But it was it was so good and smart. But also, it wasn't, like, too unobtainable like I always just assumed Da Vinci Code was going to be like written in French and that I wouldn't understand but there were a few times when like they were opening some of the um things and trying to decipher codes where I kind of got to it quicker than they did I just want to say like (laughs) I knew that one of them like the writing was backwards there was another there were a few times like Hebrew was involved and I liked like the different religious elements and learning more about history and um the Holy Grail. I, I always just thought that was a Jay-Z song I never really knew <laughs> that it was like the eighth wonder of the world. Now you have to read Angels and Demons. Yeah. I know. I'm going to space everything out. I gave Da Vinci Code a five. Wow. Amazing. Then, and I have to blame someone in the Redheads book for this next error. I read this book called The Editor. Someone posted in the Redheads a uh, you know, I thought uh, you were saying amongst us. I was like, no, wasn't me. No. <laughs> Someone posted in the Redheads Facebook group a bunch of books that they were selling. And I read a lot of them and I liked them. And then I saw this one called The Editor with a cartoon of Jackie O on the cover. And so I went to go look up what it was because it was amongst other books that I like. And it's it's like a historical fantasy book about Jackie O's time in the publishing world. And she's publishing a book for this author. Ugh. <laughs> the book stunk. I actually think that maybe Dana would like it, but I don't want to waste your time mm-hmm. if you don't. Um, I just would want like to get your opinion on it because it was be- it was so verbose, like the colors of the trees and Cape Cod. Like <laughs> I do like that. I know. So and also it was um it was from a male's perspective, which I'm starting to realize. Like I mostly read books by women, yeah. and it has to be Da Vinci Code if or I Am Pilgrim. Yeah. If you might I'm like John switch. Grisham. No, literally, People I'm so close to fucking reading John Grisham. John Grisham. <laughs> I swear. Not or Nicholas my... Sparks. He's kind of like feminine. No, but that's like different. Like I'm about to read like Stephen King yeah. or whatever. Like I've <laughs> like, been on like the New York Times bestseller list yeah. like 200 years in a row. Yeah, like those books that yeah. I'm sure are fantastic. Yeah. Just like I Am Pilgrim and Da Vinci Code. Anyways, the editor, I gave it a two. Then I had been watching Victoria on Amazon. It's about Queen Victoria and her reign. I was loving it. And I'm like, I want to know more about, I wanted another season. Like what happens next? Someone recommended I read this book, Queen Victoria's Matchmaking, The Royal Marriages That Shaped Europe by Deborah Cadbury, who is a descendant of the Cadbury fortune. Fun fact. And the book was amazing. It was like a, it was like a textbook. It was all of Queen Victoria had. Nobody's ever called a textbook amazing. <laughs> no, but like it was just like sh- literal straight facts. Like yeah. Queen Victoria had eight or nine children. She went on to have 40 plus grandchildren who all got married to other royals within Europe at one point 
a Queen Victoria descendant was sitting on every throne in Europe and it's about her matchmaking, why she wanted to set up like certain, that. like, and so her grandson who was going to be the next King of England, like which girls he wanted for her. Yes, these girls were his cousins, um, but that's just like, <laughs> you have to just get over you're it. You're just going to have to deal with it. it. Also, and then it also starts to talk about the like descent of a lot of these um, empires, like the Russian Empire, Germany with like World War One. Very interesting. So good. Then I continued, I did a Q&A on my Instagram. Oh my God. Asking for more books like it. Like I just want stories that are straight facts. This next one wasn't straight facts, but it was based on true people. And now I have like a list of recommendations that I'll be like reading reading on for weeks. Like I honestly think I... At the rate I'm going, I, I want to read even more books next month than I did this month because oh I have God. so many to look forward to. But the last book I read of the month was The Other Bolin Girl by so Philippa good. Gregory. So good. I was on vacation, so like once I realized it was 600 pages, I was like too far through to like stop. Um, but it was so good. And I I knew who Anne Boleyn was. Like I knew her name, but I did not know her story. And now I'm on an Anne Boleyn like, I'll be watching every movie. I had to go straight to reading Transition Baby to be done by the time for this episode. But I'm going back to the Tudor era because there's so much more to uncover. <laughs> you have to read Girl with a Pearl Earring. I do? Yeah. Damn, okay. Jackie. That was a lengthy list. Yeah, that's a that's lengthy insane. list. And I just want everyone to know my next book I'll be reading probably is Mary Queen of Scots. That's where I was headed next. Because you. apparently Anne Boleyn's daughter, who winds up on the throne is then succeeded by Mary's Queen of Scots' son. But Anne Boleyn had Mary, Queen of Scots, murdered. Drama. (gasps) Drama. Drama. You're preparing yourself to be a history substitute teacher. Very well. You have a degree. Like, I genuinely have a genuine interest in history. And it's like, I'm so impressed by college me that I even, like, was self-aware enough to know that. To major in history. As my major. Yeah. Okay. That's all I read. What's our next book? I don't even know. Our next book is A Snitch's Choice, and I don't know either. I'm sorry I didn't read your email. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I chose. Um, my, I mean, here's the thing, is that when I chose Layla, I wanted a romance, boy meets girl. You and know, you didn't get it. And I didn't get it, so I'm here to redeem myself, and all that's right. what I want. Even though we loved Layla. I know, no, no, I know, but I, my soul, need a book like that. Okay. The First Time I Saw You by Emma Cooper. Okay. Probably should have run this by you guys. Like, did anybody read it? No. 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 Okay, great. Nope. It has a 4.14 on Goodreads, and it's just, you know. Have you read a book by this author? Nope. Great. Well, we, trust, we trust that the snitch knows what and the I snitch And I did some likes. research, and it's apparently a book, like, people really enjoy. Great. I trust the snitch. I'm trusting I'm the excited. snitch. In snitch we trust. Thank you so much, snitch. Thank you, redheads, for another wonderful episode. We will see you next month. We need to go eat. We are so hungry. Love ya. Love Bye. ya. Bye. Hey guys, this episode has been edited to add and change Snitch's next book choice. Apparently, everyone is having a really hard time finding it. It's not available on Kindle or Audible or where most of us get our books. So Snitch has changed her choice. Next month, we will be reading Twice in a Blue Moon by Christina Lauren. So don't worry about finding the other book. This is the book for next month. It looks so snitchy and it's going to be a great read. So Twice in a Blue Moon by Christina Lauren. We'll be recapping it the first Thursday of next month. Also, while I'm issuing a correction, I just want to say um, towards the end of the episode, I got a little winded and I said that Anne Boleyn um, was responsible for murdering Mary, Queen of Scots, but it was actually Anne Boleyn's daughter queen elizabeth who had mary queen of scots killed um i don't know if anyone like cared or it bothered them that i said it wrong um but it bothered me so since i'm here recording something else just wanted to correct that bye